Well, primary election day in North Carolina and for much of the country is just around the corner. And while there are important local and state races on the ballot, turnout has been pretty low so far locally. And it's fair to say that a lot of that can probably be chalked up to the national races like the presidential primary already feeling like a bit of a done deal. As we prepare for a likely rematch between President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump this fall, we're likely to see more of the division and frustrations that bubbled to the surface in 2020 during their first election against each other uh, come right back. And I'm sure a lot of folks feel like we've been living in those frustrations over the past four years as well. Joining me now in the studio to talk more about this is Mark Hetherington, who's a distinguished professor of political science at UNC, author of several books studying American politics like Why Why? Washington won't work, and Prius or Pickup, how the answers to four simple questions explain America's great divide, an expert on polarization in politics. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on 97.9 The Hill. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, let's start here. Uh, obviously, as I said, primary election day next week, but I think everybody has an eye on November. What is the sense that you get of how polarized the Democratic and Republican parties are now compared to four years ago? Again, not a whole lot of like action action when you look at the uh, people running in the primaries, but certain a lot of action, certainly a lot of action within both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party on the national level right now. Oh, for sure. You know, one of the things that you mentioned is that, um, you know, the presidential race is basically a done deal. Um, and, uh, you know, this is kind of an interesting moment because it means that uh, neither side really needs to, you know, moderate itself, you know, to get ready for the general election. You know, uh, everybody's going full bore uh, already uh, in attacking uh, the other side. And so, you know, with this in mind, you know, 2020 was bad um, as far as uh, polarization was concerned. You know, we haven't had an election like this since, you know, the late 1800s, um, you know, where, uh, you know, the, the, the feelings were quite this strong. I predict that 2024 is even going to be worse. Um, it's, uh, it's setting up to be, you know, just like uh, any second fight, a lot of uh, uh, anticipation um, and a lot of bad feelings left over from last time around. Mm, yeah. And that's it's it's hard to believe that it could get much worse because I think of how we remember 2020. And of course, there were tons of contacts there with COVID-19. That's not quite as much of an issue anymore. But it certainly feels like there's been even more erosion of trust both in the parties and of people then attacking the other side and uh, erosion of ways to communicate and, and contribute uh, mm -hmm. to to everything like for example I, I as a journalist twitter is a big part of of my daily life and our profession and that certainly is not what it was back in 2020 with the changes there there have been all these right-wing spinoffs and startup companies trying to replace it feels like there's even more insulated discourse around this before and then that's not not even getting into like artificial intelligence and that making it feel like it's not you know you can't really see but you can't really trust what you see anymore it, and that's not even getting into the policy and the actions of the two parties, right? Oh, for sure. You know, even just in these last couple of years in politics, um, you know, what's going on in Congress or, you know, probably more to the point, what's not going on in Congress. Uh, we're having a, a, a congressional session uh, where fewer than 10 pieces of legislation of any consequence have been uh, passed. Um, you know, just 
and you know, in order to pass legislation, Republicans and Democrats have to find some way to work with each other at least a little bit. It, you know, um, with one uh, chamber in Democratic hands, one in Republican hands, you know, certain compromises are going to have to be made uh, to get anything done. And of course, they're not getting done. You know, which points up just how uh, unable uh, the two sides are to find common ground on anything. Uh, instead of you know solving problems, they're just using these issues um, to try to create advantage for themselves in the next election. You know, by not solving problems, um, they're going to point at the other side and say, "Hey, look, you know, we haven't uh, solved immigration. That's your fault." Um, even though, um, you know, one of the or both of the sides are choosing not to, um, you know, solve the immigration problem. So uh, it, it's just uh, it's a mess at, at that level um, in terms of governing. And I agree with you. Um, one of the things that is happening in the you know, world outside of Congress is Republicans and Democrats increasingly living in different worlds. You know, we we don't pay attention to the same media. Um, you know, we don't participate in the same social media. And as a result, you know, when you live in two different realities, it's very difficult to find middle ground and agree on much of anything. You mentioned this being kind of the most contentious election since the 1800s. Can you share some more context around that? What election is it that you're referring to and what kind of parallels are you seeing right now? Well, the thing about these elections from the late 1800s, um, you know, uh, from, gosh, I guess it was 1876 up until uh, 1892, the Electoral College map was exactly the same uh, every single election, with the exception of, you know, sometimes New York voted one way and sometimes New York voted the other way. And that always made the difference uh, in the outcome of the election. And we have a similar situation where, you know, going back to even 2000, you know, the first uh, uh, George uh, W. Bush election where he defeated Al Gore by, you know, 500 something votes in Florida, the Electoral College map just barely changes from year to year. Um, and, you know, of course, uh, you know, Trump won narrowly in 2016. You know, he lost a few of the states that uh, he won in uh, uh, 2016, like, you know, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, uh, and a couple of others. Uh, and then uh, uh, Biden is the president. And just like in the late 1800s, it's going to be just a tiny, tiny handful of, uh, of states that determine who's going to win again. You know, we're in in this sense we're frozen in place. Um, you know, 40 of the uh, 50 states are simply not competitive uh, at all, and you know, uh, four more are barely competitive uh, at all. So we're just kind of looking at about six states, just like you know we used to when the two sides were just frozen in place. We're speaking with Mark Hetherington, who's a distinguished professor of political science at UNC, mentioning states and, and being almost, as you, as you said, kind of not really competitive. I imagine that the uh, the uh, divisiveness and how it trickles down to the state levels, North Carolina is probably mm -hmm. a great example of that, right? It's purple in terms of its population, mm -hmm. but in terms of how the state government is, is run and then how districting makes it, it is now no longer competitive because the party in power looks to stay in power. Uh, that's, I think, one clear example of how mm -hmm. it affects things at the state and local levels. What are some other ways that jump out to you that this uh, this polarization then trickles its way down? Sure. Well, one of the things that I think polarization does is it causes people on one side to look at the other side and say, look, I don't even understand you. I, I don't have anything in common with you. Uh, I don't trust you. You don't think about the world the same way that I do. And under circumstances like that, 
you know, it makes sense to try to provide that other side that seems so dangerous to you with as little influence as you possibly can. You know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, um, Republicans and Democrats just didn't seem like different people. You know, they had more in common. Um, you know, maybe they had disagreements about how big the government, you know, ought to be. But, you know, those were the types of things that, you know, they could compromise on and, and work through. Um, that's the thing that's really changed over these last, especially 15 or 20 years. And so what you see is at the state level, places like North Carolina, places like uh, uh, New York, places like um, Wisconsin, um, you know, they're, they're, you know, making changes to the rules um, in the middle of the process to try to freeze the other side out of, you know, any influence in the process. Um, and uh, boy, you know, these are, you know, these are the types of things that are really difficult to recover from um, when we think about democracy. You know, changing rules in the middle of the game. Um, you know, this is the kind of thing that, you know, doesn't seem like it has much history here. Uh, seems to have more history in places like the third world. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to say along those lines, what kind of things concern you? Having studied this, what kind of things concern you moving forward with just like the country's ability to function? You mentioned how little action there is in Congress. I think that's one. But, you know, is there when when this division exists, what are some things that you continue to look at and say, boy, this this really does seem like uh, there's just not really a path forward? The worry for me more than anything is, you know, when you come to dislike, you know, your opponents, you know, you just wish the worst for them, right? Mm. You know, and I, I always encourage my students to think about this like a basketball rivalry, you know, the Duke versus North Carolina rivalry. You know, the kids at UNC, of course, you know, they, they hope for the worst, um, you know, to happen to the Blue Devils on, you know, any given week. But, you know, there's no downside, you know, to rooting against a team. Politics is different. You know, when the other side is in power, um, you know, your side's out, the other side is in power. If you're rooting against the other party, you know, you're rooting against the country um, in a sense. And, you know, we're not necessarily thinking about ourselves as all on the same American team any longer. You know, we want to see uh, our political opponents fail when they're in charge so that we can be in charge again. And that strikes me as being uh, something that's quite new and, and, and quite concerning. The other thing that worries me is this sort of, you know, uh, seeming turn towards the acceptance of political violence uh, against uh, uh, opponents. Um, you know, we're seeing uh, big increases in that, you know, with January 6th, um, you know, being the most obvious example of outright political violence that, um, you know, a, a fair chunk of people seem just okay with. Yeah. Um, so again, this is the, these two things are are pieces that make me feel like you know I'm 55 years old. You know, it feels like I'm living in a different country, you know, than the one I grew up in. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, we're, again, we're speaking with Mark Hetherington. Last two questions for you, and they're they're kind of doozies. I'll combine them, and hopefully that makes it a little easier. The first part is just how bad do you think is it going to be as we ramp up to uh, the general election in November, and the other one too, as you kind of alluded to, you know, is is this going to be the new normal going forward, or is it just the current state of the parties kind of reacting to each other? Well, you know, one of the things that I'll, I'll take the second one first. Um, I, I think that um, we've been dealing with a ratcheting up of this normal, um, the, this sort of polarized normal for the last 20 years, right? I mean, um, and one of the reasons is we're basically tied 
Um, you know, this has been basically a 50-50 political world with a couple of, you know, small exceptions uh, since the 2000 election, which was basically tied. And so is 2004, and so is 2012, and so is 16, and so is 20. Um, you know, when two teams are really closely matched, you know, Duke and UNC are, you know, both top 10 teams now, you know, that ratchets up the feelings and the hatred and, you know, the, the emotions, you know, that go along with things. Um, and, you know, this is, so until, um, you know, elections uh, are not so close, you know, where, you know, the Senate is, uh, you know, 51-49 and uh, the House is divided by five or six uh, seats. And of course, the presidential election, you know, could end up, you know, 271 to 269 electoral votes, uh, depending upon a couple of flips in the votes. I mean, oh my gosh, can you get any closer than that? Right. Um, I mean, this is like the worst um, uh, emotions associated with the last, you know, minute of a tied basketball game uh, between two top five teams. Um, so that's not going to change. Yeah, yeah. It's it, you know, we talk about the horse race a lot, and and media portraying presidential elections as a horse race. It's mm-hmm. as you're as you're saying, winning by just like the hair of a nose every single time. It doesn't it doesn't spark good things. <laughs> yeah, and then you add to that, you know, the fact that we really the parties really disagree with each other. You know, on things. You know, it's not like the parties are just really close together on policies. That you know. If the Democrats lose and the Republicans win, that it's really not going to make much difference. It's going to make a profound difference. Um, And so, you know, you look at the other side and you think, man, we got to do anything that we can possibly do to keep them out of power. And, you know, as you made reference to a little bit earlier, you know, the use of AI and deep fakes and, you know, things along these lines, we can't even anticipate right. um, just how strange, um, you know, this particular uh, election is going to be. And, you know, really the levels that people will willing to, are going to be willing to go to in order to ensure that their side wins because the view of the other side winning is such a disaster. Yeah. Um, at this point. Yeah. So, you know, buckle up. I think a buckle up is exactly what I had in my head as a, as a big takeaway, but a bunch of other fantastic themes to keep in mind uh, coming up on Tuesday night. And of course, as we get to November, uh, Mark Hetherington, again, political science professor at UNC. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing this perspective. We really appreciate it. That sounds great. Look forward to coming back sometime soon.